another fantastic NXT TakeOver. Ironically enough, the 25th NXT TakeOver, and this one, once again, lived up to the hype. Actually, I think it exceeded the hype because there wasn't a whole lot of hype for this. It kind of came out of the blue, out of nowhere, not on a pay-per-view weekend for WWE, a, a standalone, a rare standalone live NXT TakeOver on the WWE Network, and from top to bottom, it was great. What's up, everybody? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for pro wrestling news updates, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. I'm here to recap NXT TakeOver from top to bottom. I'm also here to tell you guys all the latest news going on in WWE land. If you're watching or listening to this live, please feel free to leave a comment below and share this with all of your friends. Anyway, anyway. NXT TakeOver just ended with Adam Cole Bebe defeating Johnny Gargano and a fantastic sequel to their classic match at NXT TakeOver New York to finally win the NXT title. He becomes the second Grand Slam champion in NXT history, the other being the man he just beat, Johnny Gargano. A lot of great back and forth action. And I gotta say, when I heard that this NXT TakeOver was taking place in Bridgeport, Connecticut, no disrespect to my friends, uh, you know, the peeps in, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, but not exactly a, a city you, you have off the tip of your tongue, right? It's not one like, oh, man, like I would love to travel to, to Bridgeport to watch a wrestling event. You know, just, I mean, I'm sure people in Bridgeport would say the same thing, but this crowd was amazing. You, you could have told me this crowd was, was from L.A., Toronto, New York. Okay, Chicago, and I would have believed you. I'd be like, okay, that, that makes sense. But Bridgeport, y'all brought it tonight. So much respect to the fans in Connecticut. Great reactions all night. Doing chance all night. Doing chance for Gargano. Doing chance for Cole. Just great selling by both. Tons of counters. Tons of kickouts. Some people may not like all the kickouts, and I and I get that. But you know what? It worked. For this crowd. I mean, who did it freaking ever? And at the end, well, Johnny Wrestling, he got a little bit overzealous. He went for a dive when the referee was arguing with Adam Cole on the outside. Adam Cole was holding a chair. Referee was like, I'm going to disqualify you. Don't take that chair in the ring. Who's being a great official? Johnny went for a dive, but Adam Cole moved out of the way. And then Gargano splatted on the referee. Gargano did get a visual pinfall on Adam Cole, but referee was out. And then at the end, Adam Cole hit his second Panama Sunrise of the evening. His version of like a Canadian destroyer. Hit the run he needed a dome, covered him. One, two, three. And Adam Cole is your new WWE NXT champion. And while there's a part of me that's a little sad that Johnny Gargano is no longer NXT champion. The reality is, I don't think this feud is over yet. I think at some point they're going to have a, a third and final match. And, man, Adam Cole, NXT champion. The old me would have been like, you know, these guys had a great main event. It seems like they're, they're going to probably continue this feud. I wish they were on the main roster and making main roster money. And there is that part of me that still thinks, man, like I want these guys to make a lot of money. They deserve it. They're such great professional wrestlers. They deserve to make all the damn money in the world for entertaining us. But there's also the part of me that listened to the John Moxley interview on Vince McMahon, that's seen the booking or lack thereof of the recent NXT call-ups from Nikki Cross 
to the War Raiders or Viking Raiders or Viking Experience or wherever the hell they are right now. To No Way Jose, to EC3. And I guess Nikki Cross has been okay, but she spent about three or four months doing nothing before that. You look at all these NXT call-ups, you know what? I want them to just stay in NXT. Another reason why I want them to stay in NXT for now. I do think that if WWE has any semblance of a moral compass, and I'm not saying they have a moral compass, but at least any semblance of a moral compass, okay, or, or fairness in them, okay, I think what's going to happen is NXT's going to end up going to Fox Sports 1 when SmackDown debuts on Fox because FS1 is going to need a lot of programming because UFC is no longer on the station. And yeah, while they're airing boxing and all kinds of soccer and stuff like that, you better believe FS1 and especially FS2 are going to need programming that bring in viewers. So I could see NXT, either an hour or hour and a half version, going to FS1. And by default, I would think that that would mean the salaries would be bumped up for the NXT talent. On top of that, the greater exposure being away from the network and being on FS1 would allow them to also probably sell more merchandise. So you'd probably see more Undisputed Era shirts. Well, in theory anyway. But we'll worry about that later. We'll worry about Kooky Vince and, and him horribly booking everybody to oblivion later. This was a great freaking professional wrestling match. You can make some arguments about, okay, throughout the night, way too many kickouts. I get it. It's, some of the stuff ain't everybody's cup of tea. I get it. But it worked for the crowd. The energy from commentary... The energy from the building was infectious. And I find it almost impossible for anybody to sit down and watch a show and not feel that energy radiate through the screen, whether you're watching on your phone, your TV, Xbox One, whatever. So this was an amazing main event to cap off a great night of professional wrestling. And on one hand, I'm like, my God, there's hope in WWE. I mean, this is, this is a beautiful show. On the other hand, the reality is NXT caters to a small hardcore vocal portion of the audience. A vocal portion of the audience that's willing to spend money, which is great, but still a small vocal minority compared to the people that watch Raw and SmackDown, or I guess at this point aren't watching Raw and SmackDown each and every single week. So, yeah, it is definitely a double-edged sword, but in the moment, let's talk about it in the moment, let's live in the present. This was a great show. Wow. Wow. Now, before I get to the rest of the recap here, let me read some comments I'm getting in here, some real-time feedback. Zandel Moore says, NXT TakeOver 25, the best so far, and every match was amazing. I don't know if it was the greatest NXT TakeOver ever, but, I mean, seriously, almost every NXT TakeOver has been great. There have been a few during the Samoa Joe era, the Shinsuke Nakamura era, even at times the Bobby Roode era, where some of the NXT title matches were a little slow, a little plodding, didn't really fit with the, the f- overall flow of the cards. You could say those were, I guess, worse, but I don't want to denigrate any of those cards because, I mean, everybody brought it in, the, in those takeovers pretty much uh, for the most part. I mean, just fantastic stuff. Noah Lara says, just amazing, just amazing. Dan Foster, did not get to watch the show. Thank you for the recap. Much respect as always. Much respect for you uh, checking us out. AJ Adams is super happy that Adam Cole got the win. AJ says they got to have a stipulation if they're doing Cole Gargano at SummerSlam weekend. Possibly loser leaves NXT. That'd be kind of cool. I'd like that. Uh, that being said, uh, again, if they keep up the creative mess that, that's going on in, in, on main roster WWE right now, I don't want to see either guy leave NXT for a long, long time. But 
Then again, if ratings keep sliding, if ratings keep taking a dump, I mean, at some point, they got to make some changes, right? At some point. Whether it's Vince stepping aside for at least like behind the scenes, let Triple H run things or what, I don't know. But the fact that ratings are sliding, ratings are, are, are consistently doing record lows, even if it's slightly up the next week, they're still doing record lows. And they're doing, they're doing record lows, by the way, with limited competition. I know, I know the NBA Finals are on, but the NBA Finals ain't on every day. And the NBA playoffs, for the most part, while the Golden State Warriors are popular, you know, LeBron James wasn't in the playoffs this year. So the NBA playoff ratings overall were actually down. And they're going to Fox, and Monday Night Football's coming up. Granted, they won't be competing against Monday Night Football, but Raw and USA Network still will be, and it's not a good look either freaking way. So you better hope by SummerSlam weekend they find some formula. Dare I say maybe just booking professional wrestling the way it was meant to be booked, mano y mano, with people competing to be the best with logical storylines. Maybe just maybe then they'd be able to retain some viewership and dare I say increase it. Man, the only match I don't like, AJ says, is Shayna Baszler retaining. Io Shirai deserves a women's title. Well, let's get to that one because that was our semi-main event. Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai. These two ladies had a tough task following the other matches we had seen. And, and I feel like Triple H, for the most part, while he's been great at putting the spotlight on a lot of different women from a lot of different backgrounds and ones that don't fit the traditional mold that WWE likes and everything, and I, I respect him for that. The reality is I feel like he's actually put Shayna Baszler and any of her opponents in kind of a rough spot over the last few months, over the last year, really, because Shayna Baszler's style is more technical. It's a little more slow plotting. I happen to like her style, and I think she's actually a really safe worker. She's a low-key, really safe, and damn good worker. But, you know, I feel like her matches would be way hotter if you open the show with her versus Kyrie Sane or her versus Io Shirai, rather than having them have to follow a Matt Riddle match, a Velveteen Dream match, a crazy-ass back-bump-taking ladder match. You know what I mean? I mean, this is still good. It's still got a great reaction. But the finish was a little flat because, once again, Shayna Baszler retained the NXT Women's Championship. And while I love Shayna, mad respect to her, here's the reality, folks. She's about to turn 39. She should be on the main roster we know why she's probably not on the main roster right now. That's because Vince McMahon uh, has a one-track mind when it comes to women, for the most part. And, uh, yeah, it's probably best that Shayna stays in NXT. And if that's the case, I'm fine with that. But I think we're at the point now where Shayna's title run has jumped the shark. It's run its course. It's great. She's been a dominant champion. But people were ready to see Io Shirai win the title. I get Kyrie Sane losing. She went to the main roster. She's teaming with Asuka to be the... Kabuki Warriors, the Kabuki Spears, whatever the hell the damn name is. Allegedly, those two came up with the name. Uh, the, uh, I don't know, whatever. To each their own, I guess. Uh, but Io Shirai was ready. She was on fire. She looked great. And ultimately, she tapped out to Shayna Baszler. And then after the match, in some rare cases, sometimes bad main roster booking or bad main roster booking tropes, okay, reoccurring themes that are awful on the main roster, seep their way into NXT. This was one of them. After the match, Io Shirai took a kendo stick and beat the hell out of Shayna Baszler and moonsaulted her with a steel chair on top of her. Now, during the match, uh, Jessamyn Duke, Maria Shafir, the, the friends of Shayna Baszler, training partners, interfered, but Candice LeRae took them out on the outside. So th there was no excuses. There was an excuse for Shayna to win, or, or to lose, I mean, and there was every, every excuse in the world for 
you know, Shirai to get the win because Shayna's distracted and her friends are taken out and she can just beat her one-on-one, face-to-face, mano a mano. But nope, she tapped out. And then she proceeded to beat the hell out of Shayna Baszler for like five straight minutes. Crowd chanting, you deserve it, which is pretty funny. Uh, but I thought to myself, wait a minute. If she destroyed Shayna Baszler, what's the point in Shayna Baszler retaining the title, right? I hate this. This is what happens on the main roster all the time. Some heel will win, or some baby face will get a, a fluke victory, and then they get their ass kicked from pillar to mother freaking post. <laughs> and, and, and then they wonder why nobody gets over. Now, look, NXT is not as egregious when it, comes to, when it comes to this stuff, uh, you know, compared to the main roster, but it's still kind of bad. It's still kind of bad. Like, come on, man. I, I didn't like that. So... This was by default because of that, the weakest match on the show, but I thought it was still uh, really well worked. They were just put in a tough spot. A reoccurring theme with the women, Triple H. You might want to put the, some of them in the opener, right? You might want to put Shayna in the opener. And You know what? Somebody brought up the point of there hasn't been, there hasn't been a takeover where there's been more than one women's match, and that's really interesting. Now, you can make the strong argument that depending on you know the, how the regular XC TV's booked and everything else, Maybe NXT TakeOver cards and, and the storylines leading up to them don't dictate having more than one women's match on the card. But in 2019, should WWE make it a priority or should NXT, more specifically with Triple H, make it a priority to feature more women on the card? I think that's a very fair point. I mean, you have a ton of women on, the, on that show. A ton of women that, that can go. I mean, Bianca Belair is freaking awesome. And you, know, you can make the argument she should have been on this card as well. So, yeah, that is something I'd like to see going forward. Maybe they'd have to make the card a little bit longer. Maybe they'd have to trim... Uh, some of the matches a little bit, which which is fine too. I mean, I thought all the matches were were good to great. Only overall complaint, if it's a complaint, minor critique would just be maybe shave like five to ten minutes off of a couple of those matches, and they still would be great. Just so you don't burn out the crowd. I mean, this crowd was hot, but you know, just so you don't burn out the crowd, whether it be the crowd and and the arena or the crowd watching at home. You know, just to, just something like that. Maybe you can make a little bit more room for for the women and some other talents that are they're a little more underutilized. So, but. Overall, I mean, I can't complain about the quality of the show. I mean, it was, it was pretty great. We opened with Matt Riddle submitting Roderick Strong. This was a great freaking match. Whew. This was awesome. This was, this was great. Great match. Actually, he didn't win by submission. I'm sorry. He won, with, he won with a modified tombstone. He did go for a bro mission, though. Excellent back and forth action. Matt Riddle's only been wrestling for like three to four years, guys. And he got into the game late. He, he was a huge wrestling fan. Got into the UC3 Ultimate Fighter. Uh, didn't have any pro fights, if I recall correctly, going into the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, ended up joining the UFC. Got cut by the UFC to do some you know, BS with weed. Got to Bellator. Got cut by Bellator to do some BS with weed. Got on the Indies. Everybody was like, oh, Matt Riddle's not going to get signed by Daddy B because of weed and blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a few years later and some more lax uh, laws when it comes to weed. And Matt Riddle's in NXT. And Matt Riddle is freaking awesome. And Roderick Strong... He belongs in the conversation of one of the best wrestlers in the world. We talk about Kenny Omega. We talk about you know, Okada. We talk about AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. All those men deserve to be in that conversation, for sure. For sure. But you got to put some respect on the name of Roderick Strong. And you know you can put Yoshirai in that conversation as well. She's freaking great. But put some respect on the name of Roderick Strong, one of the unsung heroes of NXT and WWE overall. And really professional wrestling. He's great. We had an absolutely insane ladder match that featured some innovative offense, some incredibly dangerous back bumps. Kyle O'Reilly bumped on the ladder multiple times to the point where his back was super red and pulsing blood. 
But we had the Street Profits finally reach the top of the NXT Tag Team Mountain, defeating Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake of the Forgotten Sons. And believe it or not, they were pretty forgotten in this match. And only Lorcan and Danny Burch to win the NXT Tag Team titles, which were previously vacated by the Viking Raiders, War Raiders, whatever the hell their damn names are at this point. Ivar, Ivan, and Evan, and oh, poor guys. By the way, they haven't been on TV in like two weeks, so... So much for that. Also, the Raw Tag Team Champions haven't been on TV for like two weeks. So, yeah, there you go. Way to go, Vince. But great match. It was great to see Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch busting their asses and being on a takeover. This was the, the first takeover for the Street Profits. And Angelo Dawkins, who's been with the company since like 2011. I mean, seriously, he's been with the company forever. Finally, finally getting some shine. Now, whether you think he's all that or not, whatever. When you've been there that long... And you've persevered long enough to finally have your moment on a big show like this. Good for him. I think the the star of this match, well, there were a lot of people shined in this match. I think the only people that didn't really shine, and I'm not going to necessarily blame them. I feel like it's just maybe the layout of the match or whatever, was uh, Cutler and Blake. I, I thought they could have some more shine. I mean, they took some bumps. Don't get me wrong. Wesley Blake did make a few stops with the ladder, tipping it over and stuff like that. But as, as far as people that really stood out in this match, I mean, they were... The least, you know, that, that that stood out, unfortunately. In fact, the third member of the Forgotten Sons, who wasn't even officially in this match, Jackson Riker, which is a, a terrible name, the former gunner of TNA fame, came out and was the absolute monster before all six men uh, triple-teamed him and beat the crap out of him with the ladder. That was pretty awesome. But, yeah, the Forgotten Sons, unfortunately, were, were kind of forgotten in this match. They weren't that over. Uh, you know, I, I like Steve Cutler a lot, product of the Monster Factory from here in New Jersey. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you know what, though? When you look at back at some of the talent that was in this match, I mean, Montez Ford, this guy was a shining star this match. I'd say Kyle O'Reilly as well, especially for some of the bumps he took. My God, you don't need to be taking those bumps, bro. I mean, I'm surprised none of these men went to the hospital. Uh, I, I think uh, Scott Anderson mentioned that when the Undisputed Era celebrated with Adam Cole after he won the NXT title, Bobby Fish had a sling ugh, on his arm. So I guess that means Bobby Fish is injured again, which sucks. I mean, if this guy can't get any good luck, I mean... I guess it's just bad. I guess bad luck's just available at the luck store. I don't know. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully it's just a stinger and he's better. He could he could still uh, wrestle and stuff in the next few weeks. But damn, I mean, yeah. My only complaint here with this match just it would have been nice if maybe Cutler and Blake got a little more shine. You know, maybe by default they just didn't give in all the talent that's in the ring. I mean, only Lorcan and Danny Burch are spectacular. I mean, Red Dragon, Undisputed Era are great. Montez Ford is an absolute stud. Angelo Dawkins was freaking motivated. I mean, look, everybody was motivated in this match. Everybody left it all out there. Uh, but really, main complaint, just a little too dangerous. I mean, really, just a little too dangerous. You hear people talk about how WWE's safer and blah, blah, blah than the indies and all these indie guys do too many high spots. But there were a lot of scary spots in this match. And I'm glad everybody's okay. At least uh, they seem to be okay. We had an awesome North American Championship match. Velveteen Dream defeated the returning Tower Breeze to retain the North American title. Velveteen Dream took the best bump I've ever seen a guy take uh, from an unprettier. Velveteen Dream also went for an unprettier himself uh, on Tower Breeze. Lots of kickouts. Dream ended up getting the win with his flying elbow drop. Excellent, excellent stuff. Tower Breeze, he was criminally underrated going into this match. I hope he's not after his match because he left it all out there and he showed that he is a fantastic professional 
wrestler. And I really don't understand who Tyler Breeze pissed off three years ago when he started feeding with Dolph Ziggler. If I recall correctly, he even got a win over Dolph Ziggler on pay-per-view. If I remember correctly, it was Survivor Series 2016. He pinned Dolph Ziggler. I thought, okay, at the very least, this guy's going to be the Dolph Ziggler of WWE, which not a great career trajectory because there's a lot of start and stop pushes in Dolph Ziggler's career. But Hey, if Tower Breeze ends up having a, a, a long career like Dolph Ziggler, where he endures, has some good to great matches, even if he's a little underappreciated, wins a few titles here and there, that's still a pretty damn good career. But, man, he became a comedy character. He, he was all right with the fashion files, got over for a little while, and then kind of tapered off and went into jobber hell. And to see him in NXT looking motivated, looking great, pushing Dream to his limit, well done, gentlemen. Well done. And I got to say, Velveteen Dream from top to bottom, Probably the best character in WWE right now. Excluding guys like, you know, The Undertaker, who are legends and have been around for like 30 years. I think Dream probably has the best grasp of his character in the ring and out of the ring. Just an excellent, excellent character. He gets better in the ring each and every single time you see him in a big match. And he's absolutely main roster ready. But the question is, is the main roster booking ready for Velveteen Dream? Or are they going to call him up and name him Velvet Dream? Or, the, or Dreams of Velvet, or the Velveteen Experience. Is he going to have a match one week and be in the conga line the next week? I don't know. We've seen a ton of NXT call-ups. They've all pretty much sucked for the most part. Not the talent, other than Lars Sullivan, the giant racist. But other than that, you know, they've all kind of sucked as far as like the booking goes. So I, I think these guys in NXT, these girls, should maybe stick around for just a little bit longer. So overall... I've said it before, I'll say it a hundred times. An excellent, fantastic, tremendous, use whatever synonym you want from these words. A great NXT Bridgeport NXT TakeOver 25 card. And before we get to some of the news here, let's go to some more of the questions. Jeremy Bowers, happy belated birthday, brother. I'm guessing Io Shirai or Candice LeRae win the title in Toronto. I also think Roderick Strong will beat Dream for the North American title, and Breeze will face Kushida in Toronto. That's right. Kushida signed with NXT, previously from New Japan, the junior heavyweight legend. And I, I can see those guys definitely uh, wrestling. Yeah, that makes sense. Kirby Gisher says, I'm freaking pissed as how they made the Gargano title run a waste. I don't think it was a waste. It was like, listen, he held it for a couple months. It is what it is. He's one of those guys that doesn't need a long title run. At, at least he, he got the job done. It would it be nice for him to have a long title run considering his mentor Shawn Michaels and he hasn't gotten any type of Shawn Michaels-like title run yet. Yeah, it, it would be nice. But it made sense in the context of his match. He's been over throughout. His character's got through ups and downs at NXT, but he's he's always stayed popular. He's always had great matches. And, uh, you know, normally I'd say, oh, it's ridiculous that they, they don't let this guy hold on to a title for long. But I don't know. I feel like Gargano's one of those rare cases where he's fine. Right now he's fine. Selfishly, I'd like to see him have a long run, but I think he's fine. You know, but but then again, it's also a testament to how consistent NXT's booking is when it comes to protecting people compared to the main roster. Hey, do you think Gargano's ever going to have a successful defense of the title? We'll see. We'll see. Oh yeah, uh, somebody pointed out uh, that Adam Cole came out to a rap version of his theme song. Yeah, there was a rapper that came out with them. I don't know if it's the same kid that's that's always on Instagram rapping over the themes or not. But he, he was really good, and, and that, was, that was a nice rendition of the of the theme song here. Uh, let's see. Okay, take over all three. Ma- okay, let's see. We got another comment here. 
Takeover were all three were all three men's title matches, one women's title match, and one men's big feud match. Adding another women's title match to it would just be pointless. All takeover matches or uh, all takeovers have been that way. Uh, no need no need for meaningless matches, no matter the gender. You know, that, that's a fair point. That you know you can you can make the argument too that it, that is a fair point. Although you know, maybe you can make the argument again, a counter argument. Maybe they should maybe they should be building more than one female feud. That's another kind of argument. Even either way, again, every takeover card has been strong, but. That's that's definitely uh, that's definitely uh, hey fair fair points all around either way. I'm willing to listen to different viewpoints. Okay, William Span says it doesn't matter who has the NXT title. Lesnar is in position to leave his mark on the business that would pale in comparison to the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chump Hogan. Brock is ready for his retirement tour that would bring to life Suplex City, an upcoming game for home systems in 2020. Okay, I, I don't know what that means, but thanks for the comment, Will. Douglas J. Marnuski. Marnisi, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I probably butchered your last name, bro. I'm sorry. Shout out to Douglas. Cole versus Gargano was match of the year. I don't know which one is better. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the, their first match was so great, too. And the moment of Johnny Gargano finally winning the NXT title was great uh, after all, the, all those previous failures. So I, I don't know. But definitely one of the best matches of the year. But there's been a lot of great matches this year in New Japan. Um, AEW, of course, with their, their first event, Double or Nothing, and then you know NXT TakeOvers and everything else. As far as other news and notes, we got quite a few of them. NXT TakeOver UK is taking place the same day, coincidentally, as All Elite Wrestling's All Out event, August 31st. Now, as my friend Scott Anderson pointed out, NXT TakeOver UK is taking place earlier in the day. But he also noted a good point, Scott. NXT UK is earlier in the day, which means if you're a hardcore fan, you're probably going to watch earlier in the day, which means after three to four hours of, of watching wrestling, I mean, or maybe more accurately, two to three hours, you might have had your fill of wrestling. And by that point, you might say, you know what? I'm not going to order all out because I had my fill already of professional wrestling because let's face it, we can only, we're human. We can only watch so much wrestling. At least I can. You know, sometimes I get to the point where I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I'm covering a Bellator show at MSG in a couple weeks. I'm usually a, a big fan of Bellator shows, but I, I, I don't know why they're having a 17-fight card. Now, 17 fights, okay? I don't want to see 17 fights. I don't want to see 17 matches. I, I, I don't need to see all that. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't need to see all that. So, yeah, you can only handle so much whether you're watching on TV or uh, you're watching live. Uh, ju- just saying. Just saying. But interesting booking nonetheless, huh? Glow Season 3, based on the women's wrestling promotion, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It will be returning to Netflix August 9th. So look out for Season 3, August 9th on Netflix. At least the uh, American Netflix. Um, I, did, I did a recent review of WB Network, an updated review of last year's review. It pretty similar but i added some more details uh, you know some new content's been added over the last year uh, i did of course have my feed randomly cut off in the middle of the main event again thankfully i was able to get it back within a couple minutes but this has been happening over the last i don't know three four months i'll be watching a, a big WB show you know the, it's a hot point during a main event match and then <laughs> feed cuts out maybe it's a roku thing or maybe it's just a WB network uh, you know uh, WWE Networking, uh, who the hell knows. As for what's coming up this week in WWE Land, Goldberg is going to be appearing on SmackDown. I don't think Goldberg's appeared on SmackDown since like 2003 or something. I mean, it's been a, or 2004. It's been a long-ass time. So, 
Guess they're trying to drive up those ratings and hype up that Goldberg versus Undertaker match. We're going to have a Moment of Bliss talk show segment with Bailey on SmackDown Live. Roman Reigns reforming the bloodline with the Usos to take on the Revival and Drew McIntyre. Kofi Kingston, current WWE champion, returned to Ghana for the first time in 26 years. He returned to the homeland, got a hero's welcome, gave a commemorative title belt to the president of Ghana. Go on his Twitter. Look up Kofi Kingston on, on uh, Twitter. Look at some of the videos and the hero's welcomes he's received all throughout Ghana. It, it's, it's just beautiful. Every person okay, should have the opportunity, hopefully one day in their lives, to, to go back home and to reconnect with their culture. It, it, it's beautiful. I happen to be going to Lebanon for the third straight year in a month and it just it's a different kind of experience it really is and you know experiences like that for Kofi Kingston to come back be the first African born WWE champion bring a title belt there show people how accomplished he is you know being the the local boy done good I mean man it's 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 beautiful it's it's bigger than wrestling it's bigger than wrestling it's just like local man uh you know done done good I mean it's just just amazing coming back after being away from Ghana for, for over two decades Beautiful stuff. Just beautiful stuff. I have all the respect in the world for Kofi Kingston and his work ethic. And I love that WWE is allowing him to have this moment to take that true victory lap in his home country of Ghana. I sincerely hope he holds on to the title past Super Showdown because I like I like Dolph Ziggler and all, but for him to lose to Dolph Ziggler in 2019, ugh, ugh, ugh. also, I'm, I'm, still, uh, I'm, I'm still having flashbacks, especially after the recent John Moxley interview. Thinking about how John Moxley as Dean Ambrose won the WWE title, and then he was immediately inserted into a feud with Dolph Ziggler, and it was all downhill from there. So hopefully that's not the case with Kofi Kingston. Hopefully he just beats Dolph Ziggler and moves on with his life. We also have Brock Lesnar announcing that he is going to be cashing in on Monday Night Raw. Now, while I think this is a complete waste of the Money in the Bank concept and 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 a cash in and everything. Two things. One, I'm happy that at least Brock Lesnar's announcing ahead of time that he's cashing in. No surprises because he's Brock Lesnar. He's a badass. No need to freaking surprise somebody. He could, he could kill anybody anytime with his bare hands. Number two, they better deliver on this because they teased it all throughout Raw last week. Didn't do it. It pissed me the hell off. I don't mind a tease here and there. But they did it all throughout the night to the point where it's just like, all right, this is ridiculous. And look, if this was a show where more often than not they didn't falsely advertise stuff and they gave fans what they want, I'd be like, okay, this is some clever heel heat. This is some good booking to make you want to see Brock Lesnar get beat up. But by the end of it, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of this crap. Let's just move on. So hopefully he actually does cash in. I think he should win, even though I know some fans would be frustrated by that. But if you're paying Brock Lesnar buckets of money and he's wrestling his first match on Monday Night Raw in 16, 17 years since 2002, you probably want him to win. Now, that being said, you could have him win and then have Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston maybe regain the title at Super Showdown. Seems like a bit of a waste and hot shining the title to me. But, hey, they put themselves in this corner, not me. So, blame the booker and uh, looking at you, Vince. Rey Mysterio is... Set to vacate the U.S. title on Raw. Why he hasn't already vacated it? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Something tells me they have something up their sleeve. Because if he was really, really about to vacate the title, he would have already vacated it. Maybe they're going to build up to a match where Dominic, Rey Mysterio's grown-ass son, is, is going to be like the surrogate title defender against Samoa Joe at Super Showdown. Or 
whatever the next pay-per-view is. I think it's called Stomping Grounds, which, while not as bad as Great Balls of Fire, is still pretty damn bad. Ugh, ugh. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I, look, better better than some of their other ideas, right? I, I, I guess. And, yeah, Debbie Super Showdown, as I mentioned, this Friday, taking place, I believe, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It is in Saudi Arabia. I know a lot of people are not happy about that. We are covering it from a wrestling standpoint since, hey, you know, we, we do cover pro wrestling here. But I totally understand if people aren't going to watch this show. Totally understand if some people are at the point where they want to unsubscribe to the network. Fully understand that. But for anybody that cares, uh, the current card, we have a 50-man battle royal, which features Ricochet and Cesaro. I don't know who the hell is going to win. Let's just say Big Show. I don't know. Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley is taking place as well. Demon Finn Balor, who is drunk as hell. During the uh, football championship game today, he was drunk as hell on Fox Sports. That was kind of entertaining. He is defending his IC title against Andrade. We have Seth Rollins taking on Boren Baron Corbin for the WWE Universal Championship, although that's subject to change depending on what happens with uh, Brock Lesnar, of course. Kofi Kingston's taking on Dolph Ziggler, who was MIA for quite some time and is now back and has a new gimmick of, of crying and saying, it should have been me. It should have been me. I hope he wasn't like that in high school. You know, he didn't get asked out the prom. It should have been me dating Ashley. It should have been me. Ugh. Uh, Finn Balor, I'm sorry, uh, Roman Reigns, excuse me, is wrestling Shane McMahon. That'll put the butts in the seats. Triple H is wrestling Randy Orton. The giant racist Lars Sullivan is taking on the Lucha House Party. Kalisto, Grand Malik, and Lince Dorado. And a three-on-one handicap match. Hopefully, Kalisto will bust his ass again with a with a vicious elbow to the dome. And I don't really care for Lars Sullivan. He kissed my ass. And the dream match, albeit 20 years later, Goldberg versus The Undertaker, which low-key actually could be pretty kick-ass if they keep it short and sweet. So, yeah, I mean, they're hyping this card now. They said it could be WrestleMania or exceed WrestleMania level. Now they said they, they hyped it during the TakeOver show as WrestleMania equivalent. Hmm. I don't think it's going to be that, folks. I don't think it's going to be that. But We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Ric Flair and HBK are having some beef. Uh, HBK did the 30 for 30 ESPN special last year. I think, or maybe it was earlier this year. That was last year. Where he essentially said, I don't think Ric Flair knows who Richard Flair is or doesn't like Richard Flair. Something along those lines. Richard Flair being Ric Flair's real name. I thought she's saying Ric Flair doesn't know himself. So Ric Flair cut a promo on his, on his YouTube channel and said, Shawn Michaels, how dare you? I, I was on the, on the verge of death. I prayed to God for forgiveness. I came back to life. And you're tra- you idolize me? And you're trying to say that I don't know myself? It was something along those lines. Listen, I ain't Ric Flair. Go watch the promo on his YouTube channel. Feel free to subscribe as well. Support the Nature Boy and his, and his money-making endeavors, all right? But uh, very interesting that they have some beef there. I, I guess, you know, Ric Flair's probably not happy either because... Shawn Michaels was disappointed when Ric Flair came out of retirement in 2010. And, well, here is Shawn Michaels just last year in Saudi Arabia coming out of retirement. Lastly, John Moxley did two more interviews. Uh, he, he did one with a, a, we, a website that was really good. Uh, I gotta, I, I'll, I'll find it. And I'll shout him out in a second. And he did a two-part interview with Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch. And he essentially talked more about WWE, elaborated on some of his comments and talk as Jericho. I strongly recommend you guys seek out both of those podcasts. And he did make a really, really interesting point here. He said that Triple H is not only the best guy for the job since Vince McMahon's out of touch, 
but he's probably the old, well, he's the only guy for a job. Not probably, he is the only guy for a job. And he talks about how Vince's mom is in her 90s and still playing tennis. And Triple H right now is 50 and Vince is 70. I mean, give or take, but Vince is like 73. But, you know, either way. And he said, what's going to happen when Vince is 90, still running WWE? Assuming he's not cra- totally senile by then. And Triple H is 70, right? I mean, Vince McMahon could possibly run WWE for at least another 10 years. I mean, this could be another Al Davis situation with the Oakland Raiders, where Al Davis you know, was a great owner at one point and then kind of tapered off into uh, craziness and a caricature of his former self. Although... To be fair to the great Al Davis, it's not like his son's done a a great job in recent years either. So, okay, the other interview that he did, which was a text interview, is on 25yearslatersite.com. That's 25yearslatersite.com. You can also check out John Moxley's Twitter, at John Moxley. It's the verified account on Twitter to check out his uh, recent interviews. Some really, really good stuff here. So shout out to him for being so open and honest, especially as as a top guy in WWE. AJ Adams says, I want Cesaro to be U.S. champion again. We'll see what happens. Uh, thoughts on KO, Kevin Owens teasing during the Undisputed Era. That would be absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, but that would be great considering the ROH connection with those guys. Okay, and lastly, Scott Anderson says, we'll leave, oh God, we'll leave it with this comment. If Dolph wins the belt Super Showdown, I will drive to your house and DDT you on your front lawn live on Facebook done it is a deal my man but folks i am going to get on out of here i hope you enjoyed this episode of tsc news if you did please like share take care subscribe for more updates just to let you guys know what's coming up in the pipeline of tsc news i have interviews with former baseball mvps frank thomas the hall of famer the big hurt and mo vaughn coming up this week I recently did an interview with Mike Minter, Carolina Panthers legend who played in the Super Bowl with them against the Patriots, along with Walter Jones, pro football Hall of Famer from the Seattle Seahawks. I'm working on some more wrestling interviews. I just did an updated review of WWE Network, an updated review of The Zone, since The Zone changes pricing options. Thank you so much for watching, listening, supporting. I appreciate it. Don't forget to enable notifications on whatever podcast site, YouTube, Facebook, you name it, because we always got you covered. You guys got me covered, and I appreciate that. Until next time, everybody, as always, woo, enjoy the matches.